Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're back in the doghouse, and we're back to talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. And what we're going to be talking right now is Diamond Dog Baseball. Yes, Mississippi State opening weekend gets it off to a fine start with an 11-2 victory over Virginia Military Institute. And Mississippi State now 1-0 in the season. Hey, that sounds kind of routine. Well, remember how last year started out with an 0-2 record that had everybody reeling and kind of set the schedule spinning out of control the rest of the way. Well, this is a new-look team in so many ways. It's a new-attitude team also in so many ways. I think they're going to do a good job of putting the 22 frustrations behind them. Hopefully they avoid the 2022 injury bug as well because from what you saw on opening day, against, okay, an admittedly poor Virginia Military Institute team, uh, only 16 wins all last season, but they came in, and what was it, 3-2, to two, middle of the fifth inning. You start thinking, well, the Diamond Dogs, a uh, little stage fright here, maybe some opening day jitters. Yeah, I think there was some of that. Even Coach Chris Lamonis mentioned that there was a little bit of tension. You want to get off to a great start again. You want to do well for the home team. You just want to play great on opening day, and sometimes you can't. So some dogs did play great, and Mississippi State did turn it on. Like I said, 3-2 to two in the middle of the fifth. All of a sudden, it's 6-2, to two, and the Bulldogs never looked back from there going on to take the victory. So 1-0 on the season. And where to start with an evaluation of the game? Well, first you have, let's look at the offense, obviously. 16 base hits and the total 8 turns, 11 runs scored, and I was about to say just missed a run rule in the first chance possible under the new SEC policies, but I'm not entirely sure that was in effect. I say this only because two other SEC games were blowouts already. There's some games even being played as we record. LSU won 10-0, South Carolina more decisively 20-3. But in both cases, the visiting teams batted in the top of the ninth inning. So I kind of suspect that at this early stage of a season, coaches, even if the other team wants the game over and done with, I think SEC coaches, and I would really think Coach Lamonis in particular, would want to get as many turns offensively, defensively, pitching-wise as he can for the down-the-line backups, guys that maybe are still trying to find their niche or maybe even you know trying to make a case that, hey, bump me up into the lineup as well. Put me in the rotation. Put me in the regular receiver cycle. So I think State will play all these nine-inning games unless, A, the weather is just totally ghastly and you want to get it out of there, B, it's a Sunday game, the other team wants to hit the road quickly, or all of the above, something like that. Anyway, State, 11 runs, 16 hits, and like I said, it was a tight game, 3-2 to two, middle of the fifth, but you come back and just start piling on the insurance there. We'll start talking more about individual dogs, but first, let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, whatever the season. Everything from, let's see, the NBA is hitting mid stride now. Um, golf is already underway. You're into esports, if that suits your fancy. We're not that far away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and beyond that, Major League Baseball playing. So it hasn't slowed down yet. And for all those sports in action and that are about to get into action, You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trains at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. 
head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%. That's right, 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. And today, the game started with Cade Smith on the mound for the Diamond Dogs. He took care of business quite handsomely, did just about what he was supposed to do, and uh, he was on a pitch count, as is Casey Hunt, who will start on Saturday's game, 2 o'clock Central Time, for Mississippi State. So he did that. He had a little bit of pressure there. The defense kind of let him down and set up some opportunities for VMI to at least make it competitive. But then it really wasn't because the offense took over. Smith's able to get out of there, take care of it. And he did not get a decision, though, nor did the immediate reliever who came in in a tough little situation, grounded out. And then with VMI really making a threat, in comes Nate Dome, a right-hander. He gets the win by facing just four batters, 1.2 innings, third pitcher of the game. And one reason why I bring him up is particularly not just because he got the win. He's a transfer. Transfers, to me, were one of the stories of this game. You look at the top of the batting order. Amani Larry, second baseman by University of New Orleans last year, originally at East Mississippi Junior College. East Central, I'm sorry. I know rivalries run deep in the JUCO ranks in the state. East Central, I apologize. Four of four on the day. One run scored, four RBI, a double, and he stole two bases. By the way, I need to mention that too. For, as a team, State had four stolen bases today, two, as I mentioned, by Larry, another by Lane Forsythe down at the bottom of the order, and number eight batter uh, Bryce Chance as well. Four doesn't sound like a whole lot, but let's consider last season. State had 56 games and stole a total of 44 bases. You're already, what, 10% of the way there after just one game this season? Now, maybe that's a uh, measurement of VMI. More likely, I think it's a measurement of how Mississippi State is going to pick up the pace on the base pass this season. Except, will that take away from power RBI opportunities? Because when you have guys who can get a step up there and knock the ball around, you just think, you know, steal now is more an option than it is a primary offensive attack, but boy, it's nice to have that option, if indeed that's what it is. Hey, for all I know, maybe Jake Gotro and Chris Lamonis have decided, let's green light everybody. Let's just go for it. We're more athletic. We can move. I wouldn't mind that at all because there's not few things more fun. You know, even today, I think I find stealing, running, all that kind of thing, not bump and run, just actual running and outright steals, as much fun, sometimes more than watching the ball leave the yard. Sometimes the home run derby gets a little cold for me. Yeah, I'm old. I admit it. All right. But it's sure good to be able to do both. And there was a home run today. As our co-writer Steve Robertson said, if you had Bryce Chance in your lottery as hitting the first home run for the Diamond Dogs in the 2023 season, congratulations. You may be the only one out there, but he sure took advantage of it. He got a ball out of the yard in the late game, and there you go. Here's the first long ball by a true freshman DH hitting out of the eight hole. And as Coach Lamona said later, he's a special story. He's got to get better, but he's really good. He also bolted a couple of balls up the middle, which helped the game separate in the middle inning. So you got to love that a guy came through there in the eight hole, which if he keeps hitting like that, no. He won't be down that far in order for very long. He'll move his way up. So 
a good showing by him. But I, again, Monty Larry, the top of the order with the four base hits. And right behind him, Colton Ledbetter, only one of four on his line, hit the ball hard, though, had a double and a walk. He, the Sanford transfer. Now, that's your top two guys in the order. And they're coming through with five base hits, I think four combined walks. Um, they both had, no, I'm sorry, three, two walks, and they had three doubles between them. So if you do that at your top two, I think you've got a good chance to have a good offensive order this year. All right, you know that won't continue all the way, but you sure like the chances of seeing those guys. And I mentioned, of course, Transfer Dome gets the win in middle relief. And a couple more transfers got in the game. Connor Hujak from Virginia Commonwealth, one late at bat, grounded out. And Will Hoyle from Duke, infielder, he took Larry's place, by the way, uh, had a pop out to the third baseman. Point being, State didn't go real deep into the transfer portal last year. Now, they wanted to pick up more, and they missed on a couple of guys who just decided to go elsewhere. But it looks like the ones they did pick up are going to be factors, and that does not even include three pitchers that didn't see the mound on opening day. Aaron Nixon from Texas, a right-hander. Landon Garten from Memphis, a right-hander, who is expected to get the start on Sunday. And left-hander Tyler Davis from VCU as well. So... If he, if Lamonis's choices from the transfer portal pan out and selectively mesh them in with your JUCOs and even some red shirts as well, then, like I said, this is going to be a turnaround type team because it's a transitional year for the roster. It's a transitional year for the mindset. The flaws today, well, the defense could have been better, obviously. And Lamonis said one reason he scheduled VMI and called them a good team to play early, not because they were a good team per se, as their 16-win season last year points out, is the fact their style of play, they're a veteran team, they play really good inside defense, they run on the pass a good bit, they tested State's infield, which honestly needed a test as it showed in the record. Uh, There was some hard luck on a couple of the bouncers, but you still do need a field. Uh, luck is not really allowed for it. You're supposed to make the play. So you want to see this defense get those errors out of their system early, do it in games where it doesn't come back to hunt you, certainly does not come back to make pitchers stay too long on the mound, which did not happen today. As Lamona said, as Coach Scott Foxholt, there was just trying to be safe with our guys so far opening weekend, which is why Smith, Hunt, Gartman are going to be on pitch counts all weekend and for that matter so will the relievers now that's assuming games stay under control you never know how things develop but you like that kind of game plan going in and let's see Mm, negatives well there were 15 dogs left on base now that's something we got to used to not comfortable with but used to last year but I do want to point out they had six hits with runners in scoring position that was improvement from last year you weren't you weren't in the 2020 season, one of the common problems we talked about, yeah, for all the fun you had uh, chasing the program home run record, how many of those were solo shots or multiple run shots after the game had been blown open and didn't matter? Well, when you get base hits with runners in scoring position, that's a positive trend compared to last year. State was what, and to me, what really jumped out, you remember how often State struggled last year with a batter on or third base, runner on third base. Well, today, the average was 5 of 6 with somebody sitting over there in that corner waiting to come home. And by the arbitrary statistics on these sheets, the numbers they come up with now just boggle an old mind like mine. But it's always good to see somebody else chart it out. State was almost 50% in what they call advancing opportunities, meaning 
guys moved, whether it's on a ground ball, even a fly ball sometimes. There was sacrifice RBI, obviously, early in the game. State just moved guys along at bat, so the advancing was getting done. Those key things are really serious upgrades on some of the struggles that made 2022 become what it was. Just so many guys left on base, but more so left in scoring position. Today, improvement in game one. Oh, and one other thing. Only two strikeouts by the Diamond Dogs for the entire day, and just one of those was looking. I know, a pet peeve for almost everyone. Uh, Not so much me, by the way. I tend to give pitchers more credit sometimes than fans do about a call to K. Sometimes the guy just beats you with a pitch in that position. But at least for one day, opening day, one called K on the Diamond Dogs, you got to love that. And uh, speaking of the 15 left on base, Lamonis put it very well. When you put a lot of guys on bases, you're probably going to leave a lot. He still wanted to get a few guys at bats, um, and he thought a couple of the veterans even maybe a little anxious because they were chasing pitches just because they were excited about opening day. But generally, he was pleased with the offensive effort. And you got to be pleased with the final outcome. As said, 11-2, to uh, one win in the books. Now that you start the rest of the series on Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, the weather should be clear. There'll be, uh, of course, attention drawn to happenings about 100 miles up the road. Um, But still, it's opening weekend, and the action is at Dutyville Field again. And, of course, Game 3 on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Good start for Lamonis. Let's see if they can keep it going. And hopefully come Monday when we're working on a wrap-up story for the weekend, I can really pile into that angle on the transfers and the impact made on opening weekend. Hey, when you're in my business, you start looking for angles early and hope you can ride with them, and you have no idea, nor will you really care, how many game stories, especially in baseball, I have written by the fifth or sixth inning and had to totally erase, I mean totally erase, by the eighth or ninth. Hopefully, most of them in good situations, but eh, not always. So that's the angle I'm looking at and going to be following, but... You can follow the action yourself, of course, on the Mississippi State Baseball Radio Network. But, you know, keep in mind that uh, what Steve is tracking on the website, Robbie Falk doing the live thread, and Mike Nemus wrap-up game stories as well. Now, I mentioned that while the Diamond Dogs are playing Game 2 against VMI, there's other action going on up the road as the Bulldogs travel. Ugh, did I say travel? That's a dirty word in basketball bulldog corners this day. And if you were watching, and who wasn't, Wednesday night with uh, just a couple of minutes left in the, let's say, interestingly officiated game, travel is a nasty word. Okay, got that out of my system. Kentucky, shorthanded as they were, give them credit for playing well. Mostly give them credit for getting a bunch of rebounds when it mattered absolutely most, not just to give them more chances to score, which ultimately it did. Every rebound was one less opportunity for the Bulldogs to score and take control of the game down the stretch. They were unable to. Kentucky steals out of the Humphrey Coliseum with a win. And that leaves the basketball Bulldogs where? Really in almost the same situation they were going into the game. We wrote about it on Monday in our weekly update on the net rankings, the BPI, where the Bulldogs stand as far as postseason opportunity. We updated the story Thursday again, partly to get something out of our own system in that regard, but mostly to keep it out there that 
the fact is Mississippi State is still in just about the same situation they were. Yes, a win over Kentucky would have put them in far better situation, certainly given them a whole lot more margin going into their final five games. Well, it didn't happen. State is still 5-8 and eight SEC, five league games left. Need to win four, obviously, to reach a magic 500 mark, which everybody deems pretty much essential to making the NCAAs, but I'm not sure. Depending on how the net is playing out, strength of schedule, other things, I think the Bulldogs could sneak in with an 8-10 and 10 conference record because they have such a good non-conference record as well. That's not totally under their control now because state fans need to keep an eye on what some teams are doing in other leagues. But bluntly, 9-9 nine and nine is what you're really aiming at, meaning win four of the five. Well, not so long ago, looking at the schedule, I thought, yeah, with already beaten Missouri, you have a chance to go on the road and take care of them. And at the time, again, this is just a few weeks ago, you're thinking the road trip to Vanderbilt to finish up the season looks pretty promising. Well, all of a sudden here Vandy is getting hot up in the top half of the conference standing. So you've got two tougher games left. Obviously, A&M, second best team in the conference, is coming to the hump next week. That's going to be the toughest game remaining on the schedule as far as matchup-wise. I think Saturday's game is going to be tough for another reason, and it has nothing to do with rivalry. The tough part, and maybe it's already taken care of, I think this game, if it's going to be lost, it'll be lost before they take the court. And I don't think it will because I have that much faith in Chris Jan, his staff, and how they bring the Bulldogs back up. You know, they talk about having to bring people down after a win. Well, you got to bring them back up after a loss. Mississippi State cannot let the Kentucky loss linger. They've got to put it behind. I think this is going to be the te- first serious test in that regard for Jans. Now, he handled and his staff handled it very well when the dogs struggled, but they were expected to when they were playing Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn to start the season. Everyone knew, including the dogs, even if they don't want to admit it, that it was going to be a tough road and you had to make your gains in the second half of the season. The Kentucky game was a tough one to take as much as anything for how it played out. And no, I don't believe the Bulldogs were playing the jersey. Once upon a time, there was something to that. And speaking of upon a time, I've been around quite a bit of upon a time. I don't think college basketball works that way anymore. To some extent, maybe in football, the late Mike Leach certainly believed so at Alabama last year, but I'm not so sold on it when players all know each other so well, if not personally from going to camps and recruiting trips, then by reputation, by social media, all sorts of things. I think fans and media feed more into that. So I don't think it was the jersey that beat the Bulldogs. And bluntly, I'm not going to say the officials beat the Bulldogs. Just get a couple of rebounds and don't give up one or two shots early in the game. And I think State wins that game. Literally, it wasn't lost early, but State got a little bit far behind, had to battle a little to catch up, and never was able to gain sufficient margin in the Wildcats. Point being, don't let that linger, and don't think about we let one get away. Think about there's nothing left to allow to get away. Obviously, this is a must-win on Saturday at Ole Miss, and not just because it's a rivalry series. That matters. Don't get me wrong. It matters. To sweep the season series in your first season as head coach, that's quite a coup for Coach Chris Jans. But much more we're thinking in NCAA tournament terms, and for that matter, SEC tournament seeding terms. State has got to win this game to show that it's fully over Kentucky, throw off whatever hangovers left from dealing with the Blue Crew, 
Take Care of Business, starting 2.30 SEC Network from Oxford, as you're expected to do. And that's the other thing, too. You're expected to win tomorrow. So you don't go in there and let it down. You've got to deliver when the expectations are there. That's what a good team, and I think this is developing into a good team. It still lacks some things. But the outside shooting has improved late in the season. The ball movement has really been good in some games. I know the turnover figures can be ugly at times, but I like how, despite not having what you would call a true point guard out there, I just like how the Bulldogs move the ball around. I think they look for the right people. They try to make the right plays. It's still not going to be what you'd call a great setup type offense just because, again, you don't have that true quarterback. And maybe you need to be more active down in the low post, you know, calling for the ball. All that said, I think Jans has maximized the offensive potential he has in this team so far in a very impressive way. And I thought they defended Kentucky in most regards about as well as they could be defended. Kentucky hit some outside shots that they just don't typically hit. State took a supremely athletic opponent and made them look pedestrian in that guard, made Kentucky work so much harder for whatever they got. That's just the kind of defense that State plays, what people compare it to visiting the dentist or all sorts of other grinding events. Keep playing like that and you've got an excellent chance to close out this stretch of the regular season strong, get an excellent position for your seeding in Nashville in the SEC tournament, uh, possibly have to win a game or two there, depending on how these next five games play out. My point being, you go into this weekend with a net ranking of 44. That's only four spots down from where you were before the Kentucky loss. That's not bad at all. You're still in range. Your basketball power index, the ESPN calculation, has you at number 38, and that's improvement. State has made progress in there. In almost every metric, the Bulldogs are trending in the right direction, even with the loss, except one, and that's conference record. It still matters. I think the SEC right now, at max, is probably a seven-bid team league. And being number 10 ain't good, but you can take care of that. You should beat South Carolina. You should beat Ole Miss. You feel okay about your chances in Missouri because you shut them down so thoroughly the first time. I know you never assume one game automatically carries over, especially going on the road, but you like the opportunity. And Vanderbilt, maybe they'll have run out of steam by then. And I do think State's actually a pretty good matchup for Vanderbilt in that regard. A&M, toss-up, but you got the home court. And if fans keep turning out the way they did last Wednesday night and keep the hump rocking as it was and has been in some previous games as well, turn that home court into a real advantage, and the Bulldogs can go ahead and maybe not lock up an NCAA tournament position in the regular season, but certainly put themselves on top of the bubble, ready to slide either way, hopefully slide on into the tournament by what they do in Nashville. Tolu Smith, a great game against Kentucky in almost all regards, though if he could just come away with maybe two more rebounds, that changes everything. Shaquille Moore, fearless, playing hard. DJ Jeffries, playing hard, not scared, not intimidated. And even though the stats sometimes don't show it, he's such a glue to the team out there. Other guys have found mostly their niches. Sometimes, I'm not going to call names, sometimes one or two of them tend to take shots they probably shouldn't. 
But if defenses are going to focus on those other three, at some point these guys have to score. It's just got to be the right type of shots being taken. Work a little harder to get the right shot and make it pay off. And just all of a sudden the, everything frees up for your big guns there. Or, you know, I use big in relative terms as far as offensively on this team. But that also gets back to what I said. Chris Jans and staff are maximizing what they've got to work with on the offensive end of the court this year. And you've got to be impressed with that. And uh, though there's so much to play for this season, you sit there and can't help but think, at least I can't, what could this coach do if you can get him a real point guard, if he can go find himself one or two more shooters and keep them playing this trademark type of defense, no matter what the roster is, what the age and experience the players are, yeah, Bulldog basketball will be back. We said that back in November. We watched the first few games and saw how hard they played defensively and made, overcame some of their offensive weaknesses. By the way, I mentioned scoreboard watching. It's not so much SEC scoreboards I want to watch right now. Of course, that's, that's essential. We would sure help if we had a couple of these teams in the middle of the pack start losing and aid State's advancement up the SEC ladder. But I want to mention that already State has beaten two teams that are either leading or untied for first place in their own conferences, Another team that's third place in their conference. I think another team that's fourth place right now. They've beaten some solid squads. Yeah, they're getting no help from some of the SWAC teams, obviously. Minnesota's having an awful year. Omaha is pathetic in their own league. But you balance those against the teams that are league leaders, that's only going to boost straight's net, their BPI, all sorts of metrics. I, I'm kind of glad that basketball quit using RPI. Then again, I think, at least I understood RPI, this net thing. Sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, home plus 50, road 70, uh, all those figures. How about just win? Just go win the games. It will all take care of itself. And the Bulldogs are on track for that NCAA tournament appearance that we all so want for this program, for this new coach, this new regime, this new direction that's happening in Humphrey Coliseum. Just think about the coincidence that he's coming in, the rebuilding is starting inside the hump. The building is going on also inside and outside the hump for a project that will be ready to go fully by next year. Good timing for Bulldog basketball. Hopefully good times ahead again for Bulldog basketball. You like how things are trending. All right, quickly, let's turn to football before we let it get away. A spring practice schedule we mentioned a couple of times in recent weeks. It will start on March 7th, Chris I'm sorry, Coach Zach Arnett's first practice will be on a Tuesday. They'll have a couple of workouts that week, March 7th, March 9th. And they had to get those in because spring break is the next week. There, there's so many ways to do it. Some coaches at State, including his own former boss, would schedule a couple of practices after the spring game. That is not on the books right now. That doesn't mean things can't change. You know, weather can always be a factor. Maybe even injuries can be a factor. But at this point, what Zach Arnett wants to do is go ahead and have two practices, let them go for spring break, bring them back, and then they're going to work Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday of every ensuing week right up to the spring game on April 15th. So that's set the schedule. All the practice will be done. Practice camp will, in, will end on the spring game. As said, they could shift it a little bit. But I think because of the way this spring's uh, academic calendar with final exams, last chances to get your rehab in if you're injured, any surgeries if it's serious, on top of that, you've got to take care of final exams. 
I think they will give them as much of a break as they can between spring ball and when all the veterans and eligible newcomers, which in fact these days is most of them, not least the new transfers, get them in full blast in the summer strength and conditioning program. Get them, Coach Tyson Brown start back on the job, really, really work at them and have them honed as much as possible ready for August and real preseason. Uh, we hope to have a chance to talk to the staff soon. Uh, we'll certainly be uh, covering the football in the first week of March once that gets good and rolling. Not a whole lot of other news in the football front as far as that goes. Um, I know I've been writing a whole lot about SEC, the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, how that impacts scheduling. March will be big for news in that regard. Is That seems to be the time that the SEC will at least drop some hints over and maybe even some decisions for that matter towards the as we expect a nine game conference schedule then finalize it probably at the spring meetings in Destin kind of a two-stage first set the nine games uh, go ahead and start setting it because it'll start in 2024 now instead of 2025 so the urgency has been ramped up I say that and I did notice I thumbed through the calendars and realized that both in 2024 and 2025, there are 14 weekends between Labor Day and Thanksgiving weekend. Why does that matter? Well, that's when the NCAA allows regular season games, with exceptions. You can play another game in late August in Hawaii if you choose, so, but that's only going to be one other team outside the rainbow, so really kind of irrelevant in most regards. So your competition window for these two years is one week longer. That gives you more room to play with, uh, possibly the chance to not have to worry about canceling some Power 5 or G5 matchups that schools have already set. I published a piece this week on Gene's page that there are 155 such Power 5 matchups already set for SEC teams for starting this season through the 2030 season. And that doesn't even include Texas A&M one year because they haven't listed their 2030 schedule in that regard. What's the problem? The Aggies have no problem bragging about everything else. So what happens with the Power 5 matchup? That's the other kicker to be thrown into this decision process with along with the expected move to nine games. Then they'll announce the rotations, almost certainly in a 3-6 system. And we take it from there. So news will be coming in football from the SEC in general. Oh, the timings, I have not uh, really nailed down what dates. It's going to be in March. I should have. Sorry. I'll hopefully have that ready by our next update next week. So that was most of the focus on football. Uh, of course, NIL news happening all around the country. You see things shaking. And expect to have some news from Mississippi State, Charlie Winfield and the Bulldog Initiative, what's going on there. Hope to have a chance also to sit down and talk with him once some of the chaos settles from this transition. Also, once he and uh, athletic director Zach Selman, who's only been on the job officially for quite a month now, can really put their heads together and see what Charlie's able to say, what A.D. Selman is able to say, because there's still so many confusions state to state to state. I noticed the state of Florida has revised their NIL laws again to try to catch up. Georgia may be considering changing theirs, so on and so forth. Um, maybe there's some news coming to the state of Mississippi. I think it's late in the legislative calendar at this point if you keep up with such things. And you know, other than things like state flag and others, we rarely do because it's, I always assume whatever's said, it's going to cost me more money next year. Just let it go from there. Okay, little cynicism. Sorry. You know, all you fine politicians out there and people who live for this stuff, forgive me. 
but uh, I just got my tax bill for 2022 this past week, so I'm not in the finest of moods on that score. I Hopefully, you're in a good mood right now, and uh, if you want to help your tax status for next year, hey, how about Bet Online, where the game starts? Uh, they're betonline.ag to join up with a 50% welcome bonus and use a promo code BLEAV to receive rewards. And we thank them for their sponsorship of the show, but more so we thank you for checking in for this weekend edition. And hopefully you also enjoy checking out Bulldog Baseball as they finish this weekend series with Virginia Military, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and Mississippi State Basketball up in Oxnard, I'm sorry, Oxford on, yeah, sometimes I got to get a little cheap shot in there. I am so funny, aren't I? Right. Anyway. 2.30, SEC Network for the Bulldogs as they try for the season series sweep against Ole Miss and Coach Kermit Davis. Uh, For Coach Chris Jans, the team, the the game that they must win because they got to get back on roll for the NCAA, and we expect them to, and keep us watching that bubble in the coming weeks. It's fun to do it again because the fun is back for Bulldog basketball. The fun is back on Dutyville Field. Soon we'll be having spring football fun, and I hope you're having fun listening to The Doghouse and your host, David Murray, here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be talking to you in next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.